If you are new here to Pioneer, I see a couple of faces I haven't met yet. My name is Jerry. I'm the communications director here. I'm not Pastor Jeremy. He's chilling in the back right now, serving. I keep calling him out, making it awkward. Um, and real quick, I, I did this during the first service, and I want to do this again. Can we just honor our pastor for his willingness to serve, his willingness to listen to God? I mean, it's all God. It's not really him, but he's, he's here. Uh, no, I, I cried through the f- first portion of, of what I'm about to say during the first service. Um, because God's so good. Um, six years ago, Jeremy showed up at our door. We were living in Memphis. He knocked on our door, came over unannounced, and said, Hey, I'm planting a church. You're going to love the name. It's Pioneer Church, and I want you and Storm to come be a part of it. And we said, nah, we're good. Um, no, we, we had accepted a position in Indiana as discipleship pastors at that time. And I didn't say this during the first service, but I remember the week that we moved. It may have been actually just the day before we moved out of Memphis. I went to a Pioneer Church service in Jeremy's living room. There was about eight or nine of us, shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow. And it was such a special time. And last night, Storm and I host the couple's small group homestead. And after we left, we just talked about the people here at the church. And the word that we kept using was special. Because... I said this and I mean it. I've never felt so home in my hometown as I do here at Pioneer Church. And it's not because of the building, but it's because each one of you who have showed me and Storm and our kids so much love over this past year and a half. And I'm so thankful for every one of you guys. And so I just wanted to start with that because... Look, when, I, when we told Jeremy we were moving back, I remember telling him, man, look, we're, we're moving back. We're just going to come be a part. We're just going to set up chairs and whatever you need us to do. And a couple months later, he texted me and said, no, I got, I got, if you're ready to work, come ready to work because I got, I got a position for you and, and we're ready to do something. And it's been such an amazing year and a half being back home and being a part of this church. And I just want to thank you guys that. And so if you can, just give yourselves some round of applause because you are amazing. Each one of you. Um, If you've never been here before, you can give yourself a round of applause too. We we still love you. Um, No, but I want to sort of start with a story um, that involves that whole journey away from Memphis. Uh, But first I just want to pray because I need help. Uh, God, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Help. Get me out of the way, Lord. Holy Spirit, show up. If you don't show up, Lord, nothing I say matters. If you don't show up, Holy Spirit, then no heart can be moved this morning. Show up. Be with us. Be present in us and around us. Lord, we need you. 
Jesus' name, amen. So we moved out of Indiana, or moved out of Memphis, we moved to Indiana to be discipleship pastors, and we were there for two years, and Storm and I felt called to plant a church in Denver, Colorado. And so, I'm just jumping right into it, but we, we, we started budgeting, we started getting plans ready, we had a vision, we had a website, we had started talking to people about coming and being a part of that church plant. And we, we went ahead and said, let's just move, we're gonna go to Denver, we're going to get settled in. We're going to start creating connections. We're going to start meeting people. We're going to start creating and building a community out there in a place where Jesus is just needed. It's one of the highest unchurched populations in America. And so we move out there, and we found out real quick. I don't know if you guys know, but we found out Denver's expensive. Um, living, eating, Breathing is expensive. Breathing that mountain air, man. Uh, so I had to get a job real fast. I got a job delivering calzones. And not pizzas, just calzones. And I started looking for a job doing Uber Eats or DoorDash, just trying to find something just to survive, you know, just to make it week to week, be able to pay rent and everything. We blew through our savings real fast. And... So we're doing that, and we get into a house. We find a house, two-bedroom, two-bath. It's five of us, me and Storm, my kid, and my sister-in-law and niece. And we had this whole plan for it. It was, uh, we, we had it all separated. There was a basement with an extra room in it and stuff. We had enough room for everyone. And we get there, and there's a spider infestation in the basement of the house. So Storm and I end up moving into the living room. Me and Storm and Kai end up living off the couch and eventually set up our bed in the dining room of the house because we couldn't live in the basement. We got a call from the church planning organization that we applied with and they were like, hey, your application was great. Your testimony was great. Your message sample was great. Your website looks better than some of the websites, some of these churches, two, three years old. But we're going to deny you because you don't have enough full-time church experience. So now we're in Denver. We're trying to survive just week to week. We're living off the couch with no privacy at all, just out in the open. And we get denied by the church planning organization that we applied to plant with. And the cherry on top was I was driving during work and a car pulls out in front of me, turns in front of me, illegal turn, and I run into her and total my car. So now I am paying my boss to borrow his car to try to make money week to week. And when I say I was hurt and, and depressed for one of the first times in my life, since I, was, since I was young and I was angry, that may be an understatement. I was so mad. God, did I not hear you? God, am I the one that was in the... God, I thought, I thought this was gonna... You know, we were gonna get here and this was gonna work out. So I started, I started building up some walls. I stopped praying I stopped reading my Bible. I stopped having quiet time. 
I just sort of tried to separate myself from God. I don't know if you've ever been mad at someone and you get the call from them and you just ignore it real quick because you don't want to talk to them. Or you, you're at a grocery store and you see them and you start walking the other way because you don't want to have anything to do with them. That's how I was sort of treating God because I was, I was angry. I was upset. It was during that time I was, I, I still I kept going to church and I was serving on a worship team. They found out pretty quickly that I could play guitar and invited me to be a part of that. And so I was playing on the worship team and I remember I was in the basement rehearsing one, one night, you know, on the lookout for spiders, playing the guitar. And I was playing the song, King of My Heart. And I don't know if you know the song, King of My Heart, but... And I'm supposed to sing the, the bridge of it. And, and the chorus is, um, you are good, good, oh. And I'm just sort of getting through that part. And I go to the part where I'm supposed to sing. You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. You're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. And I didn't believe it. I had to stop. I had to stop singing because I'm singing the words because that's what I'm supposed to do. But I didn't believe the words I'm singing because I felt let down. I felt so distant. So I just stopped. I started praying. I'm like, God, what do you, what do you want? I know I need you, but I don't even know where to go from here. And as I'm praying, these words popped into my head and I started playing along to the words. I just started singing these words over and over again. I said, nothing can take me away from you. No, there's nothing that can take me away from you. No, there's nothing in this world that can take me away from you. But me, God. Just me. I just kept singing that over and over again. Because that's what popped into my head at that time. And I had a realization in that moment that God wasn't the one building up the wall and separating himself from me. I was building up the wall and separating myself from God. I was putting this big gap between us because I was angry. It's something that's not even his fault. What I realized in that moment was that God was still near and God still loved me. And I needed to fix whatever was going on. Isaiah 59, the Israelites are going through a similar situation. The children of Israel are, I mean, I guess they're probably in a worse situation than I was. They're, they're slaves, so they were, they were in a bad situation. But they were, they were in slavery they were crying out to God and they felt like God wasn't answering. And so God sends Isaiah and he says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. 
What Isaiah goes and tells the Israelites is, God is not too far. God hears you. He's right within reach. But you've separated yourselves by your choices from God. You've created the gap. In Romans 8.5, and Romans 8 is where we're going to hang out a lot during this message. But Romans 8.5, it says that those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the, by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to the law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. That word to live according is the word kata in Greek. And it means to reflect the nature of. And so what Paul is telling the Romans in that moment is that what you set your mind on, you will reflect the nature of. If you set your mind on the things of the flesh, you will reflect the nature of the things of the flesh. If you set your mind on those of the spirit, then you will reflect the spirit in your nature. When I was in Denver, I had turned away from God by choice. And, and I want you to understand that sometimes reflecting the flesh Sometimes living according to the flesh is just not living according to the Spirit. Anything not of the Spirit is the flesh. And so, for me, I wasn't doing anything inherently evil. I wasn't terrible to my wife. I wasn't terrible to my kid. I wasn't drinking every night. I wasn't doing drugs. I just wasn't in the Spirit. And I was separating myself from God by not focusing on the things I should have been focusing on. When I was writing this message, the, this, this phrase, this sentence sort of came into my head, our lives will be directly affected, or our lives are directly affected and transformed by the things we direct our time and attention toward. Our lives are directly affected and transformed by the things that we direct our time and attention toward. What you are setting your mind to, what is in your field of vision every day, what you are absorbing every day is creating who you are as a person. That is the thing that's taking your time and attention. But as children of God, we have an obligation to the spirit, not the flesh. In Romans 8, verse 12, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation not to the flesh, but, not, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. See, when you accept Jesus as your Lord, when you repent of your sins, when you give yourself away to him, he gives you the free gift of the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. 
And that spirit is going to direct you as you go. That spirit, when I was in Denver, was directing me and, and urging me, get back in your word, pray to God, do something. I was spiritually dehydrated. And just like I can, I have the free will to say, no, I'm good. And that's what I did in that time. We have the choice whether we want to follow the urging of the Spirit, whether we want to follow Jesus or not. Um, I praised God for this during the first service, and I'm going to do it again. Um, I got a new job, thank God. Um, I was working for the last year and a half at a factory making candy. And I was working mandatory overtime every week, barely able to see my family. And thankfully, God has opened the door, and I started my new job here at Visible this past week. And I'm so thankful for that. God, God's so good. But one thing I learned right at the end of my charms journey was that I am just very unhealthy. Um, we did what is called a personal health assessment. And what that is, is they go in, take your blood pressure and your blood and your height and your weight. And then really it's just to get cheaper insurance. But I, I learned that I have high cholesterol and high triglycerides and high LDLs and high, like five different things. And they're not just normal high, they're like really high. And so I am extremely unhealthy. Uh, and so I've had to make some better eating decisions in my life, which is hard. I don't like vegetables, and I'm allergic to fruits, so we're just, we're just rolling day by day. Uh, but I know what I need to do and what I need to eat and what I don't need to eat. Storm knows what I need to do, what I need to eat, and what I don't need to eat. And... Storm can tell me not to go eat the seven slices of bacon that are on the oven. But I can make my own choice as to whether I'm going to go eat the seven slices of bacon. And I probably am, guys. I'm just... But that's how we are with God. We know internally, through the Spirit, the right and wrong that we should or should not do. We know the things that we should be drawn toward, the things that we shouldn't be drawn toward. And just like Storm, who's going to be over my shoulder, hopefully yelling at me when I'm making bad decisions, the Holy Spirit does that same thing and guides us and directs us. But we make the choice whether we're going to follow the leading of that spirit or we're just going to make our own decision. Our flesh is obviously going to want us to make the bad decision because that's just who we are as people. In John 3.16, I think everybody knows it says, God so loved the world that, oh my gosh, I need it on the thing, um, that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him, shall not perish but have eternal life. The guy preaching did not have John 3.16 memorized today, so uh, please call me out later. Um, pretty sure I was supposed to learn that in... Uh, kids' church, so hopefully they are doing a better job than my kids' church pastors did. Um, no, but right after that, so Jesus came into the world to 
give us freedom from our sins so that we should not perish but have eternal life. Right after that, it says, this is the verdict. The light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that they have done or what they have done has been done in the sight of God. We have a sin nature that is evil. We want to be, um, what's the word? We want to gravitate toward the thing that's not good. I want to gravitate towards the seven slices of greasy bacon, not turkey bacon, real bacon on my stove. Amen. And in that same way, we want to gravitate towards the things that are of the flesh and not of the spirit. So we choose every day. We choose every day whether to follow that leading. And here's something really cool um, that just talking through my message with Storm, the, the idea of asking and seeking and knocking in Matthew 7, Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Uh, if you ask, it will be given. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be opened. A lot of that times we will denote that to prayer. We, we will sort of put that in the same realm as just asking for things. Uh, I want to challenge you today to change your paradigm. Prayer is not just asking God for things. It's communion with God. We can talk to God without asking for anything. He is Abba Father. And we are able to go to him as a father and talk to him. And in the same way, what does it say we do right there? We have to take the steps. He's there. He's within arm's reach. His ears can hear us. But we have to be the ones that ask. We have to be the ones that seek. And we have to be the ones that knock. We have to take the action. Jesus opened the door. And so we get to make the decision whether we're going to follow him daily or not. One of the things that I've learned throughout my life in church, and it's one of the most important things I think I've learned, is that this following Christ thing is a daily choice. I grew up, I say grew up, I went to a old Baptist church growing up, and I remember saying a prayer, I went with my grandma to like the whole kids church thing, and I remember saying a prayer a long time ago, you know, God save me, I need you. And for years, I just assumed, you know, I'm doing, I'm, I'm good, I'm clear. Because I prayed that prayer, I'm going to heaven. But Jesus didn't challenge us to pray a prayer, he challenged us to follow him. He challenged us to pick up our cross and follow him. And that's a daily decision that we make. That was something I had to determine in my life when I was in Denver. Am I going to pick up my cross and start doing the things that I know I'm supposed to do, or am I going to continue to build this wall up 
between me and Christ. And I don't know if any of you have done anything similar. Maybe you walked in today and you're like, yeah, I've been either subconsciously or consciously, either intentionally or unintentionally, building up a barrier between me and God. But today you can change it. You can open up that line of communication again. And he's always there. Abba Father waiting. So I want to share with you how I broke down those walls. Give you some ideas. And the first thing I did was I had to start listening to the spirit again. I had to start listening to the urging that was, that was directing me and trying to tell me, hey, you need to go do this. I had to humble myself and say, look, I'm sorry. I had to be vulnerable. God, I know I haven't done anything inherently bad or evil in my own mind, but I have been apart from you, and I'm sorry, and I want to change that. And I had to fall on my knees and ask the Spirit to help me and direct me. I had to knock, I had to seek, and I had to ask. I had to open up that line of communication again. I had to start praying again. I don't know if you guys know. All right, I, I shared this earlier in first service, so you guys don't know. But I had a friend growing up when I was in high school. She lived right down the road from me. And I remember we were hanging out one day, and I caught her in a lie. And I was so mad. I was so mad that I had built up this grudge, and I didn't talk to her for a year. She would come around, and I would just plain ignore her like she didn't exist. She would try to call on the phone, and I would ignore every phone call. And for a year, I ignored her. And I don't know when it happened or why it happened, but eventually something broke in me, and I went and apologized. And I opened the line of communication again, and our friendship was rekindled in that moment. Sometimes that's what it takes with God. It takes just open up that line of communication again and just starting to talk to him. Paul says to pray without ceasing. That's not to just continually ask him questions. That's just to be in communion with him constantly. He's always there as a friend. Next thing I did was I started to meditate on my word. In Psalm 1, 1 through 3, it says that if when we delight ourselves in the law of the Lord... We will be like a tree planted near the rivers of water. We'll be strengthened. We'll start to bear fruit in our lives. But what we have to do first is start to get into his word and start to read. And the last thing is I allowed the word to transform me. I didn't just read these words at face value. I didn't just read them and then just sort of say, that was good. I'm going to go about my day. No, I started to meditate on those words and I started to try to make them a part of who I am as a person. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true, proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, 
his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And all of these things, I started to slowly pick up my cross again. I started to slowly start that walk with Jesus again. It also, I started to set my mind on the things of the Spirit so that my body and my, my behavior would start to reflect in nature the things of the Spirit. Because that's our calling. The number one greatest command asked and responded to by Jesus was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Part of loving God is to set ourselves and set our minds on the things of the Spirit so that we can be transformed by Him into the image of Him. So I want this message to be a reminder of what following Christ looks like. It doesn't look easy all the time. And Victoria, if you want to go ahead and come up. It doesn't look easy all the time. It's not going to always be perfect. In fact, it's going to be hard. And, and James... Jesus, or not Jesus, but James tells us in James that we're going to face trials of many kinds. And that in those trials, we're to find joy. So I want to challenge you to listen to the spirit that's leading you. If you've accepted Christ, he lives inside of you. If he's going to lead you, he's going to direct you. I want to challenge you to continue that line of communication and praying in communion with God. I want to challenge you to meditate on the word. In 2 Timothy, Paul challenges Timothy to study to show himself approved. It's not just reading the word at face value. It's learning what it means. It's getting into it and understanding it. If you don't, then find other people around you. Find people accountable. Find a Bible study. Create a Bible study. Get people who can, you can surround yourself with to help you in this endeavor. And allow yourself to be transformed by the words of his, by, by the message of his word. I also want you to remember that God loves you and he will never not love you. In Romans 8, I told you it was a trend today. In Romans 8, thirty-five through thirty-nine. Paul said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for the sake 
or for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whether you start to tear down those walls between you and God today or tomorrow or next month or next year, God never stops loving you. He's never too far away from you. He never stops hearing you. Nothing can take him away from you. But that doesn't mean that we can't or that we have to not close the gap. We have to take those steps to him. So that's my challenge for you today. And I want to read one more thing. We were at Couple Small Group last night, and just in talking and passing, we started talking about how powerful just reading the Word of God is. Um, that in Nehemiah, the Israelites, uh, Nehemiah went and read just the books of the law. They all just stood for hours and listened to Nehemiah read the books of the law. That's that's a feat, but. It says their lives were changed in that time. Jesus in the synagogue would go in, just read scripture sometimes. So there's power in the words of Jesus. And so I want to read this parable out of Luke 15. And as I read, I just want you to determine in yourself if this relates to you, if this connects to you in your life. And we're going to close out. Luke 15, 11 says, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything there, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need so he went and hired himself out to be a to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here i am starving to death I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired slaves, hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it and let's have a feast and celebrate.
my favorite part about that is that the son was living in the father's house before he left. He has everything that he needs and he still walked away. And it didn't matter how far he got or how much money he wasted to the fathers. The father was still waiting and ran to him and hugged him. Gave him everything that he needed. And said, let's celebrate. That is how God feels about you. No matter where you're at, no matter what part of the journey you're on, God loves you. And if you build up that wall, he's just waiting for you to take it down and come knock on his door. If you can close your eyes. I don't know what you were feeling when you walked into this church today. But if any of this resonated with you, I pray that you would start taking steps to break down those walls in your life. I want to ask you real quick with eyes closed, heads bowed, if there's anybody in here who would say, look, I, I don't have a relationship with the Father, but I want one. I don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, but I need him. If that's you, if you would say, I've never, I've never, I haven't started this journey, but I want to. Could you raise your hand and just say, they, that's me. Praise God. If you walked in here today and you would say that I had, you had walls built up. Either purposefully or non-purposefully. Cognitively or non unconsciously. If you would say you've built up some walls and you need some accountability and you need some help and you want to start getting back to where you are living in the spirit. If that's you, could you raise your hand and say, hey, that's me. I got to get to a better place. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to pray. And what I challenge you to do if you have any inclination of that, any thought that I need, to, I need to do something in my life to get back to Jesus, find accountability, find somebody before you leave here today. You don't even have to be, you don't have to come to one of the pastors if you don't want, if you know one of the leaders in here and you say, hey, I, I trust you, go talk to them. Or Jeremy or I or Cody are all available to talk to as well. Find somebody and start tearing down those walls together. God, thank you so much. God, thank you for every person that raised their hand to say, look, I've built up some walls and I need to tear them down. Lord, I pray that they would be bold enough to go and seek accountability and seek someone to come alongside them. Lord, I pray that as we go, we would be led by your spirit to set our minds on the things of the spirit. 
Lord, that we would take our minds off the things of the flesh that are not good or healthy for us, but that we would set our minds on the things that are good and pleasing to you. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit shows us the love that you have for us, even when we feel like we don't feel it. God, I thank you so much. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com slash give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.